everyone. My name is Ari and welcome to Made of Metal, a motivational podcast where we tell stories about regular people overcoming insurmountable odds. So I warmly welcome you to another weekly installment of the historic mayhem and motivation, aka the Made of Metal podcast. So before we get started, If you're loving the podcast and want to hear more amazing stories, please tell a friend to check me out or leave a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you. Now, this week, first of all, if I sound a little like extra, I'm so sorry about that. But this week has a little extra magic for one special reason. And that's because it's my birthday week. Yay. And yes, I am one of those. Okay. A proud birthday girl who transforms into a woo girl once the party gets started because I have no shame. Yes, none, zero. But to kick off my wondrous birthday week, I wanted to feature the story of an individual that is basically one of my lifetime idols. I can say that confidently. Last week, we featured the story of Confucius, a philosopher whom I've shared many interests with. In particular, we shared an overarching interest and reverence for history in the days past. I've been studying historical events for as long as I can remember, so the individuals I admired growing up usually lived many centuries before me. But it never seemed like that to me as their work and legacy would be ever present in my daily life. So it didn't seem like they lived that long ago. So this week we'll be covering an individual that didn't receive their massive success and recognition until many years after their death. And this was due to a combination of societal stereotypes and personal circumstances, which kind of contributed to an overall lack of acknowledgement while they were alive, along with discriminatory publishing practices. There are a lot of things keeping this person from getting their roses. This individual was intelligent and witty way beyond their years, drawing on their own experiences to influence their work, but giving it a unique air of relatability that few other writers ever come close to. And for me, visiting this person's world was an escape from my own, which I very much needed while growing up in an abusive household. I would read for hours on end, becoming immersed in this person's stories, literally crushed when I finished one of their books. I found the stories that all-consuming and lovely and interesting and perfect. So this week, we'll be covering the wordsmith, the witty, the writer, Jane Austen. Jane Austen was born December 16, 1775, in Steventon, England. Jane was the seventh of eight children born to her parents, George and Cassandra. Jane had a total of six brothers and one older sister. I can only imagine what dinner time looked like in that household. Absolute madness. Thankfully, Jane and her older sister formed a close bond, likely to form a united front against their male siblings. Smart strategy. Jane's father, George, was a rector at a local church, and their mother, Cassandra, helped tend to the home. 
When Jane was eight years old, she was sent to a boarding school along with her older sister, but was sent home after a short time with a life-threatening illness. They say it was likely typhus. Jane's illness was so bad that she literally almost died and had to be rehabilitated at home for some time. A couple years after her recovery, Jane and her sister were again sent to a school to receive higher education. Unfortunately, due to financial constraints, the family wasn't able to keep the girls enrolled in the school and they were sent home at the end of the year. But do not fret, because issues with financial resources didn't mean the family didn't believe in the importance of education for Jane and her older sister, Cassandra. This was the very beginning of their academic careers, though it was the end of their formal schooling. This is unusual as well because women were generally not encouraged towards academics in the 1700s. But Jane's parents encouraged education amongst all of their children. Jane and her sister received tutoring from their father, who would often invite them both to write whatever they'd like. As soon as she was able, Jane would read the books from her father's extensive library, also reading aloud to her family and nurturing her lifelong love for reading. As Jane grew older, she would even read her family stories that she had written herself. A large part of the family's entertainment would come from staging elaborate productions in their home, allowing everyone to participate in any role they desired. Jane even wrote a few of the plays that the family put on, exercising her writing skills even more to include comedies and sometimes dramas. Jane was also an avid piano player who loved to entertain the family. She was also described as an amazing dancer, attending many social events with her sister. So we can already see the huge role that family and friends played in Jane's life especially after being removed from school, where the majority of children engage in the important dynamics of socializing and playing with others. Jane was still able to be exposed to all of this at her home while having extra enrichment provided by her family's love for the arts. So naturally, Jane began writing poems and stories at an early age. As Jane began to grow up, the content and nature of her stories began to mature, featuring themes that were often present in her daily life, but with exaggerated circumstances, usually with a twist towards the comedic or satirical. Jane began to see all the joy and satisfaction she gained from writing her stories and committed to focus on writing as her career instead of her hobby. This alone was a lofty goal for anyone, let alone a woman in her days, but it doesn't seem like she allowed that to enter her mind at all. After deciding to become more serious about her writing, Jane began to write more polished stories. Jane had some very pointed opinions about society and the lifestyle she participated in, and she was never too shy to share how she really felt about all the pomp and pressure in her writings. It's obvious that she had strong feelings about how women were viewed and objectified in her society, with clear feminist themes in her writing as well. In one of her earlier works, Jane wrote a novel about a woman who lived quite a colorful life, 
was essentially a man-eater that focused her ability to get what she wanted using her intelligence and wit. Jane had very particular ideas about romantic love and often would write in a way to satirize the more traditional love story. In 1796, when Jane was around 21 years old, she would begin writing one of her two landmark works, Sense and Sensibility. In that same year, Jane would also begin writing Pride and Prejudice, yet another work that she read to her family, which became a quick favorite. I just want to stop here and say I've read that book, Pride and Prejudice, and seen that movie, all of the iterations, plus the series, so many times. I mean, seriously, I am that girl who watches Pride and Prejudice at least once a month, the Curia Knightley version for my fellow Pride and Prejudice purist. Yes, that's the version I am in love with. And that book was so good. One of the greatest novels I've ever read and has a solid place on my top 10 list for life. And her father obviously agreed with my sentiment because it's recorded that her father sent Pride and Prejudice out to a publisher for consideration. But sadly, it was returned, of course. But to me, that speaks to the character of her father, as well as the totally male-dominated industry of publishing and literature at the time. But the fact that of all the works that Jane had read to the family, this was the one that the father knew was going to be the hit is just crazy to me. But with all the writing that Jane has completed thus far in her life, she's only 21, 22. You think that Jane would take a breather? Absolutely not. Jane would spend her days editing and honing her previous works, which were plenty, and would begin a third novel in 1798, another satire, but this time of the gothic novel format. Around 1800, the family moved from their home in Steventon that Jane had known throughout her entire life due to her father deciding to retire from his position as a rector. The family's decision to move to Bath, which was a much more urban area, absolutely rocked Jane's world as she was leaving everything that she had ever known. All of her writing, from her poetry to her stories to her plays, had all been crafted and created in that home. After the move to Bath, this period is often described as one of Jane's less happier times in her life, as she wrote very little. There is an argument on this fact, though, as some believe she may have just had less time to write as when she was in her previous home in the countryside. While in Bath at their new home, Jane would travel to meet friends and family often, and she was able to begin a novel called The Watsons. Jane also attempted to have one of her novels published during this time, even paying for the rights but the publisher never followed through. Jane and her sister would write each other constantly, but Cassandra destroyed all of the letters between them, citing that she didn't want to share Jane's personal opinions with the world. Now, I'm an older sister as well, but I can't say I would have thrown my sister's letters away to save her the embarrassment. It would have been quite the contrary. (laughs) But I also thought it was interesting to mention that Jane and Cassandra never married, which was almost unheard of in those days. 
The closest Jane came to marrying was when she received a proposal from the younger brother of a family friend. She was just around the age of 27 at the time, and the marriage would have been quite advantageous to her for many reasons. The family dynamics at the time made it so that a woman could not own property, only a man. Thus, Jane or Cassandra would have to marry before their parents passed or they'd be left destitute. This also put the onus on Jane to marry in order to help her sister and her family. So Jane initially accepted the proposal, but withdrew it the day after, as her suitor was described as particularly difficult. And I love this response Jane gave to her niece when her niece asked her for relationship advice. Jane said, having written so much on one side of the question, I shall now turn around and entreat you to commit yourself farther and not to think of accepting him unless you really do like him. Anything is to be preferred or endured rather than marrying without affection. Sadly, just two years later, Jane's father would pass away unexpectedly, leaving the remaining women in dire straits, forcing them to move around constantly. Thankfully, one of the brothers offered to allow the women to use a cottage on his property so that they were able to settle down. It was at this time that Jane made a concerted effort to publish at least four of her novels in 1811, when she was just 36 years old. Women had to publish anonymously in order to be taken seriously, so Sense and Sensibility was published under the author simply by a lady in order to protect Jane's identity. While the rest of her novels did okay at this time, Sense and Sensibility became a hit, providing Jane with a modicum of financial success and agency to publish additional novels. Her other novels were published under the moniker From the Author of Sense and Sensibility. Jane's works were never published under her name in her lifetime. And due to her having a terrible publisher, Jane never truly received the financial success she was due, and her, her mother, and her sister would survive on the help of their male family members. In her last few years, Jane spent teaching and volunteering. She would become quite ill, beginning a noticeable decline that inhibited her ability to write. Though it inhibited her ability, it didn't fully stop her, and Jane would continue to write, hoping to finish her last novel. And of course, she did. Jane Austen would officially stop writing on March 1817, as she was bedridden and too weak to hold the pen. Just a few months later, Jane Austen would pass away on July 18, 1817 at the age of 41. After her passing, her remaining siblings worked hard to bring her other novels to print and succeeded. Around 1832, a gentleman named Richard Bentley purchased the copyrights to all of her novels and published them as an illustrated series. Jane didn't truly receive the recognition she deserved until the 20th century and beyond, when literary critics correctly attributed her work to her and were completely blown away. 
I could go on and on about the incredible life of this young lady. But since it's my birthday week, I'll keep my final word short because Jane's story really says it all. Live your passions out loud. If you have a voice, use it. Speak your truths and never stop. Never let society's expectations of you dictate your expectations for yourself. Jane continued to write, and she tried to get published in the face of constant rejections. Jane had a life that was not simple or easy, but she took her experiences and made them into something greater than herself, even without any of the recognition, because she received very little compensation for her work in comparison to the popularity. Jane committed to being a writer when she was very young and followed that vision all the way through. I mean, how cool is that? And her writing was just out of this world good. Now, this quote is actually a passage from Pride and Prejudice, one of my absolute favorite passages and scenes in the movie. So much passion captured in one passage, and it really gives insight into Jane's own fire, as these stories were a mixture of Jane and her interpretation of the world around her. And this interaction is between the heroine, I would describe her as Elizabeth Bennett, and the man that has just asked her to marry her, which is Mr. Darcy. From the very beginning, from the first moment, I may almost say, of my acquaintance with you, your manners impressing me with the fullest belief of your arrogance, your conceit, and your selfish disdain of the feelings of others were such as to form that the groundwork of disapprobation on which succeeding events have built so immovable a dislike. And I had not known you a month before. I felt that you were the last man in the world whom I could ever be prevailed on to marry. Ouch. Okay. Ouch. I felt that. (laughs) Painful. You could have just said no. You could have just said no. (laughs) A really great scene. And it just kind of captures how Jane was such a great writer. I mean, truly, like I said, writing is like bleeding on the page. And I could feel that. I could feel that in my chest. So I hope you guys did too. (laughs) In a good way. I just love reading this. It just takes me back to a different place. If you guys want to listen to previous episodes, I've uploaded all of them to my website, madeofmetalpodcast.com. And you can also follow us on Made of Metal Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. The Facebook group is growing. The Instagram is growing. So I'm really happy to see that. Really happy to see the community. Also, get ready next month, another big announcement. I'm probably going to do another giveaway. I really, really love giving back to you guys. Last month was awesome. Really great to give right around the holidays, but I just love to give in general. So let's keep it up. And as always, my loves, I'll be thinking of you on my birthday. Truly. (laughs) Hope everybody has a wonderful week. And please, please, please do not forget to bloom where you are planted.